stand for the reading of God's word. If you need a uh, Bible, please raise your hand in Spanish or English. I'm going to set my phone. We're going chapter by chapter through the book of Mark. The book of Mark, chapter 12. Man, I was looking last night. We started in September of 2020 in the book of Mark. And this has been such a fabulous, powerful study through the book of Mark. And we are in chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. We're going to conclude today the 12th chapter of the book of Mark where it says, verse 41, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury and how many were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites which make a quadrons. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had her whole livelihood. And then he leaves the temple at that point and he's never returned. The Bible says that one day he will return and be in the temple. But let's, the last teaching of the temple, this is what Jesus chose. So let's pray. Pray that the Lord will speak to us. He ended with that story for a reason. He said again of the widow, but she gave out of her poverty and put in all that she had. Her whole livelihood. Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, thank you for our children. Children are a gift from the Lord. And Father, as we look to them, to the children. There's so much to learn. You say, unless our hearts are converted and become like a little child, we will not enter the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean, Lord? What could you possibly have meant by that? Well, Lord, I believe there's something in the verses today that will lead our hearts to that place. And so, Father, go before us and lead us, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit. Lead us to that place, Lord, where we can see you as little children as we should. Lord, as we prepare our hearts, 
Lord, for this week coming up to Good Friday and then to Easter. Oh God, we want our hearts prepared. And do that this morning. Pray the same thing that happens in Sunday school and nursery, Lord. Prepare their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. This past week in my personal devotion time, I read the account of Jesus and the Gadarenes. It's a very unusual story. In the story, there were two men who were possessed with at least 2,000 demons. Can you imagine that? As we have seen in the book of Mark, Jesus coming onto the scene stirred up an enormous amount of demonic activity. I mean, he really stirred up the demonic angelic realm. The demons that met Jesus in that story were terrified of him. They asked by Jesus to be sent into a herd of swine, pigs. Again, a very unusual story. Jesus did just that. He cast the demons out of the men and sent them into a herd of 2,000 pigs. Crazy. Pigs swarmed down the mountain and into the sea and all perished. And the owners of the swine, the pigs, ran off into the city of Gadara. And the people of Gadara, the Gadarenes, some translations say Gerasenes, they ran out to Jesus where they saw one of the men. He had been cleansed of the demons, previously naked, covered with wounds from cutting himself. And he was sitting clothed and in his right mind in front of Jesus. And it says that the people of the city begged for Jesus to leave. They begged for Jesus to leave. They wanted normal. They wanted normal. They wanted any threat to their comfort and their money to go away. Losing 2,000 pigs, that's a lot of money. So they begged Jesus to leave. And he left. And so I began to beg the Lord. As that story really did pierce my heart and beg him for forgiveness. Lord, I know that describes so many of us, Lord. Far too many of us, Lord. We don't want our comfort threatened. We don't want our security threatened. We don't want our money threatened. God forbid that our money be threatened. God forbid. Go away anything that threatens it.
so thankful for 1 John 1.9. So I cried it out on noon prayer with other brothers and sisters. It's on Zoom every Monday through, Monday through, Wednesday, Monday through Friday, every, every day at noon. I cried out 1 John 1.9. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. God, cleanse us. Cleanse us from that which takes hold of us ever so tightly. Cleanse us of that which is in us that holds on so tightly to that risk-free life, a comfortable life, a secure life, a predictable life, a life of money. Cleanse us of that, O Lord. Forbid it, Lord, that we be a people like that. In Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, it's the story of a woman, a true story. There was a woman who put in two mites in the treasure chest in the temple, the chest of treasury, a better way to say it. The story of a woman who had been freed of that bondage. Even though she was a widow. So even though so often people who lose something big. And a husband is a big thing to lose. They begin to fear more than anyone. More than the average person. It's harder for them to trust. Money, they grab onto it tighter. They've lost something so big. This woman, though, had been freed from the bondage, the bondage that a man or woman is enslaved by, yes, I say slavery, enslaved by when they hold on ever so tightly to a risk-free life, a comfortable life, a secure life, a predictable life, a life where where, where there's no threat to my money. Please don't threaten my money. the last teaching of Jesus in the temple. He had given hundreds. This is the last one. At the beginning of chapter 13, he leaves. Why? Why did he choose this story? I do believe that as we work our way through the story, verse by verse, I think you'll see why. Verse 41 again says, now Jesus sat opposite the treasury. So Jesus is sitting down, taking everything in prior to leaving the temple for the last time. At the entrance of the temple, there was what was called the treasury. It's interesting that this is what Jesus is doing, doing during his last moments in the temple. He's just observing people who are coming in. The treasury is right, right next to the, 
Um, actually, there's 13 shofars. You guys know what those things are? Uh, They're sort of like upward uh, trumpet things, and they dropped in their money. And they're at the entrance to the temple. Interesting, Jesus looking at the multitudes coming into the temple. Let me tell you, there's something beautiful and powerful. There's something supernatural watching people coming into the house of God. Just people coming into this place, man. Sometimes I look, wow. And that's what Jesus is looking at, his closing moments in the temple. Again, verse 41 says, he sat opposite of the temple and, and saw how the people put money into the treasury. How? When it says how the people put money into the temple, what does that mean? It means that um, what was going on in their hearts, he was looking at it. He was seeing what was in their heart as they were giving money. We have seen in the book of Mark that Jesus sees right into the heart. He sees right into your heart. That can either be a terrifying thing. And if you're living a life of rejecting the word of God and ignoring him, that should be terrifying to you. Or it can be an incredibly comforting thing that he sees, he knows. He, he knows your circumstances. But we've seen in the book of, uh, of Mark, this is, this is a reality um, that Jesus uh, could actually uh, see. He sees, he sees, he sees right into the human heart. It says in Mark chapter two, verse five, a paralytic, someone who was paralyzed was brought to Jesus and, 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 and Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven you. And it says in verse six of Mark chapter two, some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts In other words, they were not speaking out loud. They were sitting there reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive but God alone? But immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit what they were reasoning. um, And he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, go to your house. Immediately the man paralyzed rose, took up the bed, went out in the presence of them all so that they, were, they all glorified God. They were amazed saying, we have never seen anything like this. But he had seen in their heart He saw their heart. So in verse 41 of Mark 12, it says that Jesus saw how the people put money into the treasury. He was seeing their hearts, what their motives were. When you give to the Lord, he sees your motives. He sees your heart. Is there pride there? Is there reluctance? Are you just checking off a a religious checklist? Are you loving and worshiping God when you give? Calvary Chapel, the Lord sees your heart. And then at the end of verse 41, it says this, and many who were rich put in much. Verse 42 says, then one poor widow came and threw in two mites. 
which make a quadrons. Now, okay, so listen up, a quadrons. Uh, a quadron was 1 64th of a denarius. A denarius was one day's wage. So one day's wage. A 64th of that is what this woman put in. Now, if you do the math, a denarius, one day's wage, $15 an hour, uh, and is that the minimum wage or something like that? Multiply that times eight or nine, she put in $2. Not two mites, but $2. That's what this woman did. She put in $2 uh, into the treasury box. Verse 43, so he called his disciples to himself and said to them, assuredly, I say to you, Assuredly, I say to you. you know, I challenge you, um, you want to do a real powerful Bible study, you do a word search of that word assuredly. There's 14 times in the book of Mark it uses that word assuredly and read every single time that Jesus introduces a verse with the word assuredly. That is one powerful Bible study. He's usually talking about life or death, heaven or hell, judgment or blessing. So he ends his teaching in the temple after three years, hundreds of teachings in the temple. He says, assuredly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury, for they all put out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had, her whole livelihood. I think it's fair to say that absolutely no one saw this woman. Not a single person knows her. But God noticed her. I also think it's fair to say that if someone had noticed this woman and saw her give $2, the thought would have not even have entered their mind that it was the last $2 this woman had. But God knew. Calvary Chapel it may be giving money, it may be serving in ministry, it may be teaching your children the Bible, praying on a prayer walk, telling the truth at work, cleaning up, doing something that no one else is noticing. It could be, it may be that no one else is no noticing, but God does. He notices. Notice how delighted he was in this offering. <laughs> She's giving an offering. Your life is an offering, Calvary Chapel. That's what it is. Every minute of every hour of every day is an offering to the Lord. God delights most in the most obscure offering, the offering that no one sees. That's, he's, he's finishing his teaching in the temple. He hasn't been back in 2,000 years. And what he's telling you and me I am blessed what you do out of love and devotion for me when no one is looking. 
again, it says that as surely I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury for they all put out in out of their abundance but she out of her poverty put in all that she had. Her whole livelihood. Why does he end with this? Why does Jesus Christ end with this teaching? Because he was just about to do this very thing himself. Giving his whole livelihood, everything for you on the cross. Everything. He gave everything he had. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 says, said Jesus came with them, his disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. This is right before he was arrested. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. That's what Jesus said. He said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little far, farther and fell on his face. Jesus Christ fell on his face. Saying, oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He went back to his disciples. They were sleeping, so he returned. And he, and, 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 and he said, prayed a second time. Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be do, uh, done. And then he came back to the, the disciples. They were sleeping. He came again, um, prayed the same words. Um, and then he came to his disciples um, and said, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour's at hand that the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And it says, while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the 12, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. And so they take him bound to the chief priests who in um, verse 63 rose up and he said to Jesus, he says, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, it is as you say, nevertheless I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming in the clouds of heaven. And then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, he has spoken blasphemy. What further do, need do we have for witnesses? Look now, you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? And they answered, he's deserving of, of death. And then they spat in his face. And they beat him. 
And others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? When morning came, the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death, and when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Verse 11, and Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, it is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and the elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear what, how many things they're testifying against them? And he answered him nothing. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner who they wished. And at that time, there was a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. We know from the, I think the book of John that he was a murderer. And so Pilate said to the multitude, whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? And so he asked them, and they said, we want Barabbas. And Pilate said, what shall I do with Jesus who's called the Christ? And they said to him, let him be crucified. And the governor said, why, what evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, let him be crucified. Verse 26, then Pilate released Barabbas to them and when he had scourged Jesus, when he had whipped Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him and they stripped him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And then they spat on him. They took the reed and struck him on the head. When they mocked him and took the robe off him, they put his clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads, saying, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself, you who are the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priest mocking with the scribes and elders said, he saved others. Himself, he cannot save. If he is the king of the Jews um, of Israel, let him now come down from the cross. Then we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the robbers who were with him reviled him with the same thing. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken?
In verse 50 says, Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Jesus gave it all. He gave his whole livelihood. And so as he's exiting the temple, as he's leaving the temple in Mark 12, He points to this woman, this poor woman. The Bible says that he was made poor. Jesus was made poor for us that we may become rich. He says, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury, for they all put out, put out of their abundance. But she's given out of her poverty everything that she had. And then he leaves. The last teaching. Why else may, might that have been the last teaching? Why else did Jesus close with, of all stories, that one? Someone putting in their entire life into a treasury box, their entire life's it wasn't savings. She didn't have any savings. That's what she needed for her next meal. Why else does Jesus end with that? Because he wants that from you. Just a few verses earlier, remember in Mark chapter 12, it says um, someone comes up to Jesus and asks him, which is the first commandment of all? Which is the first commandment of all? Which one of God's 613 commandments in the, written in the law of Moses is the most important command? What does Jesus say? He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And so we know that Jesus left the temple and was soon, uh, soon to do that very thing, being a public de demonstration of what that means so love, and looks like, what that actually looks like. Oh, that sounds really nice, loving the Lord your God with all your, your, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What does it look like? Let me, what does it look like? Well, the cross. But here with this widow, we also see what it looks like. This woman had the equivalent of $2. She could have put in one. She could have put in $1. And people would have been, would have marveled at her. Her sacrifice, her love, her devotion. If in fact she asked anyone, anyone, hey, this is all the money I have. I have, I have no more. I have $2. Should I give one or should I give both of them? Most of the people responding to her would have said, listen, if that's all you have in the world, you, don't have, you have to give any of it. God understands. How I cringe when I hear that, by the way. Oh, God, oh, God understands. Usually, it's an excuse for not giving God our all. <laughs> yeah. 
or some, perhaps some would have said, well, you know, if you insist on giving something, well, you can give a dollar. And she could have given one dollar, and of course everyone would have said, wow, check her out. But, but that's not what she did. She gave in her whole livelihood. The last teaching Jesus gives at the temple, that is what loving the Lord your God. You want to know what loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength looks like? That's it. And guess what? This woman is free. <laughs> she is a free woman. She's free, free of the bondage that a man or woman is enslaved by. And this describes some of you sitting right here in Calvary Chapel in the city. You are enslaved to a, holding on so tightly to a risk-free life, a comfortable life, a secure life, a, an American life, a predictable life, a life where there's no threat to my money. Please don't threaten my money. Please note the woman is a widow. Without Christ, without God, I will tell you again, a major loss like this, she should have been holding on so much more. She didn't. She loved the Lord her God with all her, um, her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you say, well, Pastor Steve, <laughs> Pastor Steve, <laughs> Pastor Steve, <laughs> are you saying I... Are you saying that for me to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I have to give everything I have? <laughs> Obviously, you're not saying that. I don't know. Maybe you should. I believe there's people in here, God's telling you to do that very thing. He does it in the Bible. He told that to the rich young ruler, right? said, give up everything you had. That guy was rich. Give up everything you have and come and follow me and then you'll be going to heaven. <laughs> you'll have eternal life. He turned around and walked away. He didn't do that. He may want you to give up everything. I'm not gonna tell you not to if God's telling you that. I've seen what happens when someone does that. And the incredible joy and blessing that happens, that follows. God is not a debtor to any man. Let me tell you, he'll give you back much more. But in Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus gave 50% of everything he had, and Jesus was delighted with that worship. In the Bible, uh, there's a lot in the Bible about tithing, giving 10%. For, from, that is what, what, what love looks like for many people. But be sure of one thing, in verse 41, Jesus, God sees how you give. Remember, it says that in verse 41, Calvary Chapel. Listen, there's no way of getting around this. God sees how you give. It says at the beginning of verse 44, read it with me here. It says, speaking of the rich, it says they gave a lot of the, out of the treasury. It says they, they all put in out of their abundance. Meaning, we talked again about what loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength looks like. What does it not look like? Well, that is what it does not look like, giving God out of your abundance. They had a lot, they had much more than they needed to live on, and they took out of that portion, that portion they did not need, and they gave it to God. 
In the book of Malachi, uh, Malachi uh, says to the people of Israel, would you do that if the, with a governor? Like just if the governor came to your house, would you give him what you're giving God now, which is the, you know, the stuff that you have left over, which you don't need? That's what loving the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind does not look like. The key to Jesus' last teaching of the temple is his last three words. What are they? Her whole livelihood. Her whole livelihood. It's not just money, it's your whole life. We sang this morning in the worship service. Please try to arrive on time by, for worship, by the way. God loves your worship. It's about him. <laughs> worship is about him. He loves your worship. He wants all of you, including your punctuality. He wants your worship. Her whole livelihood. We sang in worship, Jesus gave it all. All to him I owe. One of the most glorious verses in the Bible that describes this, Romans chapter 12, verse one. We were in Romans. It says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. What is that talking about? In view of God's mercy. What mercy? Someone shout it out. Been really nice. I haven't been asking a lot of questions today. What's that talking about in view of God's mercy? What, what mercy? The cross. That's right, the cross. That, that scene, that horrific scene that is described in the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans. And so verse one of Romans 12 says, I urge you brethren, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. Is that amazing that you can do something to please the God of the universe? Is that the most wonderful thought? It really is to me. I have grown more and more over the years amazed that I, Steve Cole, puny little me, can do something that blesses the heart of God. This woman blessed the heart of Jesus Christ right before he Exit it for the last time. Can you imagine? Notice how he did, by the way, he didn't call her to himself. Him to, uh, rather, he didn't call her to himself. Hey, come here, I want to tell you this great thing you did. No, he didn't want to ruin a reward. She's doing it on obscurity. This is what God delights in. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and your proper worship. God wants all of you. He wants all of you. He loves you that much. Calvary Chapel, every little bit of you that you hold back from God, whether it's money, time, ministry, prayer, study in the word, your thought life, whatever. Ever, every little bit of you that you hold back from God, that you hold back from him, it doesn't say, the Bible doesn't say loving the Lord your God with almost all your heart, almost all your soul, almost all your mind, almost all, every little bit that you hold back from God is stealing from his glory and stealing from your own 
joy, Jesus. After this time in Mark 12, in the book of John says this, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Every little bit that you steal away from God by holding back, you're stealing from his glory and you're stealing from his joy. So I'd like to call the worship team up at this point. We're gonna have a, a closing worship song. Some of you may be thinking to yourself, Wow, do I fall short of what Pastor Steve is saying. Do I fall just unbelievably short? Do I fall like Grand Canyon short of what he's talking about and what this woman did? Join the crowd. Every little bit of your falling short, every little bit of it was put on Jesus on the cross. All that suffering that happened on the cross. He was suffering for your falling short of It's how much he loves you. God so loved you. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus Christ to the world. That whoever believes in him is the beneficiary of what happened on the cross. That punishment that, that Jesus suffered. The Bible says the penalty of your falling short of ness is death and hell forever, for all eternity. Jesus suffered that for you. He tasted hell so that you could have life and that you could give it all back like this woman did in Mark chapter 12. That so bless the heart of, uh, of God. And, and so that you can be, your life can be a blessing to the heart of God as well. That's what life is about. It is about blessing the heart of the Lord. You know, this um, week at Calvary Chapel, we closed down all the Bible studies. That includes Tuesday night, the Tuesday night service. We do this on a communion week. Because this Friday, we're going to be really, again, specially gathering together to focus on Good Friday, on what happened on that day, on the crucifixion and on the cross. That's what we're going to be doing. Please join us. It's, it's the location of our Tuesday night service. I invite you to pr come to the Zoom noon prayer and 3 p.m. prayer sessions that we have to prepare your heart for that communion service. Good Friday, what happened this week 2,000 years ago was a big, big deal. All history from that point on looks back to the cross and the resurrection and all history prior to that time looked forward to that cross and resurrection, big deal. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to take the cup which represents the blood and the bread which represents the body and just share it with, a, with each other. And the Bible says, with the Lord. That's this Friday. But right now, as you, if you could stand and rise, um, if, you, if you've been asked to pray, please come up at this time. Anything has stirred your heart.
from this sermon. I, I got to tell you, I just was so blessed. You hear the story of the widow and the two mites? I mean, how many times have I heard that? Hundreds? I, it's one of the most commonly uh, told, recited verses in the Bible, stories in the Bible, and yet just love how the Lord is so faithful to give us a fresh look at his word. All her livelihood. He's asking us to give all our livelihood. Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name. Pray that you would be blessed and delighted as we close the service. Amen. Actually, if you have a child in nursery or Sunday school, if 